You're listening to the Pain of Goddess podcast with Jennifer Hershue, episode number 39. Oh, what is up, witches? How are you today, dear listeners? I hope that you're doing fantastic. I know I am. Today is the uh, last week of school before winter break, and it is this is the last podcast of season one. And I just want to go down memory lane for a moment to find myself in March, I believe, March uh, of this year, 2019, when I set out to record a podcast every week. I think I missed one week where I kind of did a, a bogus episode of just like me spamming my tarot class. <laughs> but I just want to really like, Thank everyone for being here, listening, tuning in every week. I know a lot of you uh, look forward to it that you tell me, and I am just so um, I'm so grateful, and I'm so flattered and honored and and <laughs> hashtag blessed. I just and yesterday I did another interview with Lumen Moon Heidi Jansen, um, who is um, my favorite witch to interview. And we had such a great time talking. It was about three hours. I'm going to be uh, posting that, dropping that episode in the new year in January. So stay tuned for that. But there's some really exciting things. I'm talking to my friend who makes music, who um, will be maybe doing a little uh, exciting little um, musical pieces for the intro, outro, all the tros. And so I'm super stoked for that. And um, so, yeah, I just feel like it's come a long way. And this is the end of the first season. And I am excited to see what the next season will bring. I've got a lot of goals and a lot of ideas and some different things that I'm going to be doing. Although, for the most part, you guys, it's going to be me talking into your ears just like this. So have no fear. Um yeah, let's talk about the cosmic weather just for a minute because the last part of this year is really like, I mean, it's the prequel to the next year's December, which is a whole fucking fireworks show from Disneyland. And I want to just tell you, we're going to be okay. Uh, if you've listened to any astrologer these days, you know that there's just a lot of cosmic weather going on. There's a lot to be kind of, uh, you know, paying attention to. I, I hesitate to say that some people are even, um, you know, calling it out to be worried about, you know, and I have to say, you know, when I really look at a lot of th this, it's powerful stuff. There's powerful transits. There's lots of conjunctions. Um, I've been listening to another astrology podcast where the gentleman doing the podcast is calling all these planets going through Capricorn, the boneyard. And, um, I can't remember his name. His name is Adam. It's like Kronos and Cosmos or something. Gosh, I'll try and put the show notes in a uh, link in the show notes to his podcast. It's fantastic. It's very mythology based, right? Which is kind of a, it's a very non-Virgo approach to um, astrology. Although I love listening to it. It's the stories, the mythos, the, the mythology um, of the planets and who they are as gods and goddesses. And to be honest, this is my dream to really uh, embrace more of that and to research more of that and 
and to become more versed in all of that because I have to tell you, you know, I, I work by patterns and association. I'm, you know, in, in, in so many ways in regards to astrology, I'm a technician and um, a pattern seeker. And when I run my charts and I look at the charts and I look at the ephemeris or I look at the conjunctions, to me it tells a story, yes, but I'm not necessarily as in tune to the, the, the old myths uh, um, and how they kind of play out. And I'm, um, yeah, it's something that I'm, uh, you know, just goes to show there's always, always depth to dive deeper into, right? So I love these rabbit holes that um, astrology provides. And um, I hope you do too, because if you do, you're in the right place. Okay, so here's the deal. On Sunday the 22nd, okay, this Sunday, well, let's start with the 21st because the 21st is the winter solstice-ish, right? The solstice happens when it's the shortest day of the year and it's 21st, 22nd this year. That's the longest night over that night, okay? The longest night. The sun's going to shift into Capricorn on the 22nd, okay? The moon will be in Scorpio, Mercury is going to be in Sagittarius. Venus will be in Aquarius. Okay. And Mars will be in Scorpio still. Mars has been in Scorpio for some time. Um, since mid-November. Uh, Jupiter. Jupiter, of course, is in Capricorn since the 2nd of December, right? That's that big transit, that yearly annual transit that Jupiter makes a shift. Uh, Sagittari- or Saturn will still be in Capricorn. Now, Capricorn's transit is about three years long, right? So it's still got um, one more year. Both Jupiter and Saturn move out of Capricorn basically the same time next year in December. So we've got a year left of, of this Saturn in Capricorn, which is its home space, right? Saturn is very um, time managey. <laughs> it's the principal. Um, it's the president. It's the, no, not this president, but it's, it's, you know, it's the chief executor organizer. It's the CFO of um, you know, the astrolog- astrological uh, ast- uh, heavenly bodies. And then there's Neptune. Neptune is going to be in Pisces still, you know, and it retrogrades and goes forward and retrogrades and goes forward. It is direct. Um, tw- this The last part of the year, all the planets are direct, in fact. And Then we've got Uranus. Uranus is in Taurus still, right? Uranus has a really slow transit. And um, so it's, you know, at like two degrees Taurus right now. And it's retrograding. So, and it's been retrograding for a little while. And it will retrograde until probably, I think it's February of next year. And then it goes, it goes direct and then it goes retrograde again during next year. It has a couple of retrogrades a year. And then we've got Pluto. Pluto is in Capricorn as well. Okay. And now Pluto's, you know, Pluto has been digging up the boneyard, right? Pluto has been, um, you know, taking an approach of let's clear this out. Let's, let's clear, let's till the land. Let's make sure that there's nothing, nothing that's unserving us. Um, right. No dead seeds. 
No time for this bullshit, right? So um, Pluto is actually at like 22 degrees Capricorn and Saturn and Jupiter are going to catch up with Pluto and pass it, right? They're both going to end up meeting up with Pluto next year, both of these planets, and they have these little cosmic meetings like, hey, what's up, Pluto? Before Saturn and Jupiter meet up together in this grand conjunction at the end of next year, which, by the way, is this huge finale of fireworks before we end uh, 2020. And then Chiron, of course, Chiron's been in um, Aries and has been teaching us to heal our wounded warrior selves, right? What is our, what is, what is it that's wounded within us? And it's still hovering around one degree. It was retrograde for quite some time. And, um, you know, Chiron again is really slow. It's going to be in, um, Aries for, um, you know, eight years or so. So that's where all the planets are. The North node is in Cancer. Now that's like why the, those eclipses happen in Cancer and on the Cancer Capricorn node. Okay. And the South node, K2, is in Capricorn. And there's just this whole, this whole polarity there, the Capricorn, um, the fourth house, the 10th house, the Cancer Capricorn node, um, or axis rather, it's teaching us to reparent ourselves. It's asking us to really, um, you know, um, be responsible for our own needs, our own emotional, um, life, our own, uh, how we get our needs met emotionally, spiritually, physically, it's asking us to kind of jump in and and to heal some of the things that haven't been um, properly programmed, right? It's looking at our programming and saying like this is not working, and that's what that's what Pluto Pluto's helping uh, that count, that South Node, and then Saturn's here too, and Jupiter wants to expand it all. So we're just moving into that expansive period with uh, expansive period with with Jupiter heading into Capricorn at the beginning of this month and going to stay in Capricorn all year, right? And it's going to retrograde. It's going to do its thing. This end of the year, we have an eclipse, this new moon in Capricorn on the 25th, 26th, depending on your time zone, is an eclipse. And the eclipse in Capricorn, um, the new moon eclipse in Capricorn, uh, conjunct Jupiter and the sun. All three of them having a party I want to even say, is it conjunct um, Venus? No. No, 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 it's not. Okay, so, but, so the sun, which is the, you know, the, the vital life force of all of us, right? The masculine productive force. We've got Jupiter there, the expansive seeker of truth. And we've got... Uh, um, the moon being eclipsed there. <laughs> They're all just like, Pachoo! you know, of course the sun is conjunct the moon on a new moon. That's what that literally means. But Jupiter being right there, it's just gonna, it's just gonna amplify that, um, that, that portal. I'm, I'm shuffling cards. So my brain is like, what are you doing? I'm shuffling cards. I'm going to pull a card from the archetypes deck. The Wild Unknown Archetypes, it's my new favorite deck. Um, and uh, I have, as you know, the Wild Unknown, well, maybe you don't know, but the Wild Unknown is one of my favorite um, 
series, I guess, of decks. Kim Kranz is an incredible um, artist and visionary, and her poetry inside of her books are, are really fa fantastic. Um, this Archetypes deck is ample. You can see that she put so much love into it. And, and so let's, let's pull this card for, wow, Gnosis. Gnosis. G-N-O-S-I-S. -S. Let me read this to you. This, I'm, I, I placed it on this altar. I actually made this altar for a client this morning and I just felt like, you know what, this is the, this is going to be the podcast altar. I'm going to pull a card for it and I'm going to read to you from the Archetypes Guidebook. So Gnosis. If you want to see a picture of this um, card as well as the um, altar I put it on, go to my Instagram at Painted Goddess. Give it a like share my work if you wouldn't mind. Uh, this is one of the ways that you can support me as a small business owner and a witchy lady uh, by sharing my work. I really, really appreciate it. And it helps, you know, tag Kim Kranz too. Fuck. These images are gorgeous and she deserves all the credit, really. I'm going to read her words now. And again, if you want to buy this deck, you can find it um, where all the things you buy online are, are sold. I, I'm sure if you have a witchy store, um, they would, they should carry this. They should, totally should carry this. They may not. Um, you can go to thewildunknown.com and find it in their shop. Uh, let's see. But I think, I think they ended up closing their shop and it just sends you to Amazon. You can probably get it from Hay House or something like that too. Okay. I'm trying to find the number. These numbers, they're all Roman numerals. I was saying earlier in a reading that I was doing, like, honestly, I thought that I knew all the Roman numerals, but clearly I did not. So this, these are, these, the, their archetypes are, are um, they're cut up into um, different groups. And this um, gnosis is um, in the group of the initiations, which is so the initiations and here we are gnosis innermost knowing mystic truths so this i pulled this card for the end of the year uh just as a, a gift for all of you to consider write about do some journaling so get yourself i want you to you know do what we do when we get into this work is take a nice deep breath plant your feet relax your shoulders Take another deep breath. Exhale. Get into your heart space. You might even imagine you're breathing in and out through your heart. Bringing your awareness into that heart space allows you to receive the present now. Allows you to embody yourself fully. Hmm. This is where we listen. Okay. Gnosis. Innermost knowing mystic truths. True knowledge is not found in facts and figures and scholarly books on library shelves. Rather, Gnosis points to the deep and timeless archetypal wisdom that rises from the felt experience of having touched the unknown with every one of the senses. Those who are drawn to Gnosis find themselves in esoteric studies likely involving mysticism, alchemy, healing, or perhaps science. Knowing is their calling. Ooh. Knowing is their calling. Not knowing is their job description. 
No matter how far the alchemists take their studies, they come to the ultimate conclusion that facts slip towards mystery, and soon the mystery results in facts. This card signifies a, quote, knowing that is life-changing. Once you experience it, you are forever changed and become a guardian of Gnosis. The eternal mystery is calling you. Study your passion in the deepest way available to you. This card relates to the riddle and the shapeshifter all concern themselves with revealing mystic truths. And that's referring to other cards in this deck. Those who say they don't, do, those who say they know, don't. Those who say they don't know, know. <laughs> yes. When light, so there's a, a light and a darkness, right? A shadow and a light to these cards. And then there's a go deeper suggestion. So when light, contemplating the mystery, unanswerable questions. When dark, over intellectualizing and literalizing, asking others to go deeper. Bruce Noman's quote, the true artist helps the world by re revealing mystic truths. So you can go to my Instagram um, or my Facebook page, really, because it'll it'll double post it um, to see the card, to see that. And I'll post a picture of what's in the book as well so you can read it. This is so beautiful. And I love this for the end of the year. So, yeah, hit me up. Let me know how that lands for you. What is it that you are called to be in knowing of? And how does that, you know, kind of maybe either encapsulate, summarize this year that is 2018? Or how does that maybe inspire you to go into 2020 with a whole new kind of um, knowing? All right, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back. Welcome back. Uh, well, I recorded the first part of this yesterday. Today is Wednesday. It's Wednesday, which is, and, uh, it is the mm, 18th of December. I did not sound so sure about that, did I? Um, that's okay. It's the 18th of December. And we've talked a little bit about the cosmic weather that's going on today. The moon is still waning. And I just want to say quickly, you know, that a waning cycle is all about the release, about the letting go. And it's not too late if you didn't get all of your releasing done at full moon time. So I encourage you to continue to let go and let and it's the surrendering, it's the allowing, it's the honoring what remains. And especially during this time of year, <clears throat> when we're kind of taking stock of things and creating space for, I hope, creating space for all the new things that are going to come in next year, we have no idea where we'll be in a year. I just finished up two more Jupiter readings yesterday, and I was kind of caught in this nostalgia for myself right now. And it was really an interesting moment thinking, in a year, there will be so many more new things if I make space for them. 
right? Because if we don't make space for the things that will come, then they don't feel invited. And that is a big deal. That is a big deal. So I think that's something to ponder um, as we go into this, you know, end of year. And, you know, as you know, you know, the witch's new year happens in, you know, on Halloween, on Samhain. And yet, it's an interesting time because that's kind of like the last quarter of the moon cycle of the new year, right? Like that time is um, not quite, you know, the winter solstice is the new moon of the new year or of the year rather. So it's the darkest time, right? It's the new moon time. So there still is this rebirthing that happens and just goes to show pagans are always celebrating life and death, always celebrating the rebirth, always celebrating what remains after something passes away. And I think that's a beautiful fucking thing. All right. So we've basically gone through, right, the right now, the five things so far that I mentioned celebrating as a witch, right? I talked about the moon and her mentorship. I talked about death and rebirth. I talked about the wheel of the year. I talked about animals and mythology, right? I talked about sovereignty and power from within. And here today we're talking about the spirits, the the allyship again, right? Celebrating more allyship (laughs) with the ancestors and deities, the spirits of of place and time as well. And one of the things that I've been contemplating a lot recently, and this has come up because so much of the work that any of us who are working with energy in any capacity, consciously, whether we are um, even, you know, my friends who are body workers, massage therapists, or even you know, functional fitness trainers, yoga instructors, Pilates instructors, everyone I talk to, the energy is getting pretty thick. And, and I think it has a lot to do with how much stuff is kind of hanging around, how much clearing there is to do, how much um, our ancestors and the And the spirits of this place that we live on, that we occupy, this land we occupy, how much is here? How much energy is here? And I I also wanted to kind of put forward just this idea that, you know, how we are becoming ancestors, we will become ancestors. And our future selves are ancestors, right? So our present selves are ancestors. It's like this, I'm, you know, how am I cultivate, cultivating um, good ancestorship by being a good ally? 
by setting up good pathways for my my progeny, my generations that come after. And by the way, you don't have to have your own children to be a good ancestor. Goodness knows that I look up to uh, Frida Kahlo. I look up to Albert Einstein. I look up to, I mean, those are just two that are like in my actual vicinity. Um, And so, um, so many you know, Rumi as a poet, um, whose works have completely shifted some of my consciousness as I, you know, kind of awaken spiritually. And so all these people who just did their fucking thing, they lived their life as they saw fit. And by the way, it was not easy. They went through some fucking shit and they decided it was important Frida Kahlo never had any children, but I would guarantee, as so many of us see her as our ancestor. And so when we are cultivating our lives, it's not just us. And we know this because we can feel those who have passed kind of influencing our lives. They've created things that we use every day. Even like, God, who wrote the first book? (laughs) And I was like, let's put it all together. That was a Virgo for fucking sure. (laughs) With the help of a handy Capricorn. And you know that the Aries in town was like, yes, do it now. So I'm just saying, you know, there's no way to understand the capacity we have for creating space as an ancestor that's living. We're living ancestors. And our children are ancestors too. And and the children, you know, in this world are the ancestors too. And the way that we hold space for them to be full, functioning, healthy humans will impact the earth. I mean, when we talk about saving the earth, right? When we talk about, you know, someone was saying, I think recently, it's like, hey, don't don't worry about so many other things just plant some fucking trees and I feel this way about our children like don't worry so much about whether or not you get your healing journey perfected make space for those who will come next who are coming next for them to not necessarily never experience trauma or pain because by the way trauma and pain does create, um, you know, these, these, these experiential therapy possibilities. And I don't want to say like, you know, because I don't believe, you know, trauma made me stronger, but supportive community after traumatic events did make me stronger. And, and having that supportive structure, having the culture of, communication after a trauma creates post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is absolutely a thing. By the way, birth is traumatic. (laughs) Being a child in a world made for adults is traumatic. You know, when we want to talk about the depths of trauma or triggers possibly being created right now, There's so many different ways to approach it. And yet I know 
the thing I know is that when we hold space for others to be witnessed in that something shifts right there's this there's this capable cap- capacity of healing when we hold space for each other I'm not sure if you hear, hear my train that's the train and so this is what it's like to celebrate as a witch my ancestors our ancestors in my opinion <laughs> always you know and I'd love to hear what you think about these this thought but it's and and it's no new thought it's not my fucking thought right civilizations for millennia have been worshiping ancestors and for good reason and I think it's a shame that we as an American culture lost this knowing we lost this connection and it's an interesting um, kind of pathway I think where it happened where the individualism the pride in individualism which is a value that America has right it's why the nuclear family exists it's why we all live in our own houses and our parents don't live with us generally right is why we send our kids to school it's everybody you know wants to be among their peers to some degree and so we kind of compartmentalize society so that so that people are with like uh, you know with others who are like them and children go to school with other children you know senior citizens our parents live with other seniors right we go to work with middle-aged people and and uh many bitch about the younger folk or the older folk in the office and there's this like whole kind of compartmentalism but we're all ancestors and I just really really want to celebrate more and more find more and more ways to celebrate ancestorship by being an ally now by you know cultivating and you know I just me and um, Lumen Moon Heidi just recorded and I think I mentioned this in my segment yesterday because we we had recorded and I do want to say you know this healing the ancestral line work is coming through right now um, because there's so much um, work to do and I have a feeling it has to do with a lot of us kind of uh, you know the past few generations really cutting off that lineage and I think it has to do with a traumatic response to what's been happening as we've become more evolved in our psychological way of seeing things we've gotten more we've we've you know we've created more language around some of these um, aspects of our lives that we didn't have really access to I mean even um, you know consent the word consent the word the words um, trauma informed um, you know transpersonal psychology um, the collective some of these words energetic field magnetic field the you know heart math um, evolutionary herb, um, astrology uh, evolutionary um, herbalism evolution um, cultivation curation um, there's so many words that are in a much um, more prominent place 
and sovereignty, right? And uh, many of these words come out of a need to have them because of the trauma that's been enacted upon other peoples. But when we look at the lessons of our ancestors and the lessons that we are, will be teaching um, by, by being good ancestors, right? We're laying the pavement down for others to walk on this path that is toward healing, that is toward evolution, that is toward compassionate uh, space holding, right? Which in the past was called maybe um, something else, right? There was a meme that I saw and it was like, gosh, all this political correctness. And it's like, yeah, we call it compassion. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I love the allyship that I celebrate. And I mentioned, you know, in the last episode, I talked really, that's what I talked about. I didn't mention it. Allyship is all about having a reverence and a relationship, right? A relationship with. And so ancestors and deities, you know, some, some in the pagan path have a very, you know, um, intense, um, and connected relationship with deities. The deity worship is, you know, much like you'd find it in other religions where, you know, Jesus is being, um, you know, Jesus is a deity who is worshiped and that's deity worship. And, and as I see it, um, Christians may see it very differently. Excuse me. And that's their right. Um, from an outsider's perspective, and someone who's studied from an outside and never really accepted Jesus into my heart, I would say that that, that is, you know, deity worship. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely... Um, it's interesting. I had a conversation actually in my DMs with a friend that I've met on Instagram and we kind of talked about how we did not have, you know. So I was speaking to a friend I met in, um, on Instagram, another witch, and we were talking about deity worship and I had mentioned, you know, cause I was talking about Christmas and how I was, um, I had never, you know, been someone who even even as I was influenced by many Christians in my life and um I never felt as though I could really honestly accept, you know, Jesus into my heart even, you know, and I I never really considered myself a Christian. Let's be, you know, completely open about that. That even even and I was not raised Christian. I was not I did not. I I didn't really have a religion of origin per se other than agnosticism and that has deepened within me even as a pagan and a buddhist i consider myself honestly like a buddhist pagan and i have been considering myself that for some 20 years since i was 19 or so um and because i gained so much from reading buddhist philosophy and the different teachers within that philosophy and yet it was never deity worship I was never, you know, praying to Buddha. Um, and there was definitely, I've, I've always so far, uh, and I always reserve my rights, have always kept 
a distance from, you know, really accepting in and really worshiping, you know, a singular deity. Um, I'm more of a, uh, you know, a pagan. I, I, I see many gods, you know, I see the, the, the ways in which so many entities, deities, uh, energies, you know, and plants and animals amongst them, right? As I mentioned in the last episode, the allyship is more of the relationship I celebrate as a pagan. And I guess I just needed to define that for myself um, through these couple of podcasts, which I hadn't really thought about, you know, because the word worship is in my, in my experience, it's not been what any of the deities that I have encountered want from me. And I could be wrong. And I, uh, I'm fine with that and I um and I honor them you know and I and I work with them and I provide um myself with information about their you know I I seek and research and and you know I feel called to know certain things and yet you know I'm not using um, them, you know, you know, as like my catch-all either, you know, I feel like my relationship to any of the deities, goddesses, gods, uh, plants, animals, any of the allies, and as well as, you know, my ancestors, you know, my spirit guides and my, my helpful ancestors who are with me when I do my readings and when I am, you know, doing the meditative work uh, of healing, when I when I am with that energy, when I'm with them, when they are with me, I feel like it's one of those things where everyone's free to leave, <laughs> and I'm not expecting uh, them to provide me with anything beyond allyship. And that's just something that's emerging for me in, and by the way, I never had the language for this before, maybe I would say, you know, within 10 years, I, I never really understood what allyship meant. And as, um, you know, I'm, I'm a white lady. I've done, been doing over the last few years doing anti-racist research you know, I grew up in a pretty white area, um, and we we have, you know, as white people, been recognizing, I think, as a culture, how our privilege is just kind of this tacit compliance situation, and we've been using power without knowing, and the way that I get to be invisible, the way I get to kind of... Um, be a white woman in the world has, you know, um, caused me some real fucking hypocritical moments and feelings of guilt and shame. And, um, and I'm really grateful for my education. I was, um, while in college, I studied black feminist theory as it was 
in the 90s and in the early 200 2000s right like I was taking those classes 99 2000 2001 and recognizing the difference of inclusive feminist theory they were working towards that but the the black feminist theories had just kind of started to get a lot of play or at least in the circles I was with you know because a lot of feminist thought was still bra burning and and birth control, and not to say that those aren't worthwhile things for all feminist um, uh, adventures, but it was definitely at the place where we did not get to, um, we didn't get to there by just like having one voice come in. And so the inclusivity movement through feminist theory really helped me to understand, I think, what kind of allyship I could have with other women and to the point of even within the last two years finding um, women on Instagram who are doing like I mean and uh, there's actually a podcast called the Good Ancestor Podcast it's um, uh, created by Layla Saeed and she is a um an anti-racist advocate and scholar, a researcher, a um, incredible woman who has um, been moving moving into the work of, you know, basically providing not providing. I mean, she she gets paid for her work, um, but she she recently created a workshop for white parents to teach ki- their kids anti-racist work. And this work is so fucking important. And I want to just say that I'm not perfect. I don't do all the work all the time. And that's my fucking white privilege. And I am working on that. Um. <laughs> And I'm not sure how we got here in this podcast other than to say that this this work that we do as witches, these things that we celebrate as witches, if we don't celebrate the the wholeness of ourselves, you know, when I came into this this episode thinking this is about allyship and, you know, ancestors and deities, but my ancestors in this on this land my ancestors who created this country, you know, we always talk about the founding fathers. And that is so problematic. And what I want to start talking about are the founding mothers and the founding slaves. But I don't want to necessarily, uh, I don't want to whitewash it. (laughs) The slaves created the industry that thrives so much of the wealth that was created in this country is on the backs of people who were not paid for their labor yes you have to drink your elderberry syrup please you've been coughing i really want you to just finish it if you need to add i didn't even eat any drink it Come on. I know you can do it. My daughter, Evelyn. You. Hey. Go add water to it. 
or add some juice to it. It's fine. Well, that's my cue. <sighs> I don't think I'm going to solve all the problems of the world. What do you think? This is something, it's so interesting that I pulled this Gnosis card for this podcast. And as I go into the next couple of weeks where my kids will be off school and I will be planning for 2020, my business and its growth, my work in this world and what that will look like next year. I am just so grateful and feeling um, like nothing has to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect, just in case you're wondering. And our ancestors did what they could, and that's what we will do. And when we know better, we will do better. And I'm really excited to close this season of the Pain and Goddess podcast um, with a little bit of medicine from the goddess oracle I just turned to a random page because <laughs> that's how we do Ishel now Ishel was worshipped by the Maya of the Yucatan Peninsula on Cozumel her sacred island the moon slash snake goddess she helps assure fertility by holding the sacred womb, womb jar upside down so that the waters of creation can be ever-flowing. Ishel also provides overweaving, magic, health, and healing, sexuality, water, and childbirth. The dragonfly is her special animal. When she was almost killed by her grandfather for becoming the sun's lover, the dragonfly sang over her until she was well. That's her story. So many of um, goddesses stories, by the way, um, include domestic or abuse um, from males. And I just want to really acknowledge that, that our ancestors and deities, the myths that were created, the goddesses myths especially, show what has always been happening and I pray that every day we get closer and closer to this rising feminine power within all of us the men included that we reclaim what's been stolen beat out of and degraded within us and that is within every single person because we all have divine masculine and feminine swirling around and it's about our ability to create something balanced in the moment of course it's always changing and moving right so here is um Ischel's poem this is um from the book for the goddess oracle by amy sophia marashinsky Ishel, representing creativity. I weave strings of energy into the web of creation where nothing was before. Out of the void, 
into the world. I spin them into existence, out from my mind, out from my body, out of my awareness of what needs to be. Now there is something new, and all life is nourished. Thank you for listening. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this first season, and now I'm taking two weeks off. If you've missed any of the episodes in the past, you might go back and take a listen. Even the astrological podcasts that have very specific dates might be a good way to reflect on the year and what's come to pass. This work has been so nurturing for me, and I really hope that it has been for you as well. Continue to reach out to me. Let me know how it lands. I'm always interested to hear how it does. Have a beautiful holiday season, and I'll see you next year. Say bye. Yeah, do it.